0: Mm-hmm. Transmitting high atop of Florida's peninsula at 108 feet. I am Alpha Mike and you are listening to Raider Cop Podcast, episode 137. Untrained leadership in corrections. And I know you might think that there's a rarity. Untrained people in corrections, but it's not as rare as you might think. So here on episode 137, we're going to explore how come they're untrained? And how long has this been going on? And is it just one agency or is it several agencies? Or is it an epidemic? How do they get there in the first place? Those are the things that we're going to discuss. Episode 137. Now how to get in contact with us? New website, RadarCopNation.com. There you can uh, click on there. And it will take you to the various uh, formats that we have. Everything's pretty much the same, just a little bit more picturesque, we'll call it. And um, making it a little bit easier to navigate. I think uh, the old uh, website was starting to get a little bit busy with go here, go there, and so forth. So here is... um, just shows you of course the icon then the episode that we're on then you scroll down and it gives you each episode has its own poster on those episodes you click those and it takes you to the link which are the show notes and uh, you can also hear the show there so we're on uh, 137 and uh, we're moving along we are moving along so let's take a look at what we're going to be doing um, in the next couple of uh, episodes May 6 who's in charge of my agency 138 that's going to be an interesting uh, podcast and it's going to mostly deal on the aspect of secrecy in law enforcement. Why does that exist? How long has that existed? Don't really want to reveal more than that but it'll be an interesting uh, episode so we, we encourage you to listen in 139 get it all, mass release from jail and that's going to be um, part three of these. It actually might even be four. I said ten episodes. Yeah, it would be four. So you got to pay attention. You figure out if you, if this uh, these um, some of these terms have to deal with with the subject at hand, which is corrections. Uh, episode one forty, May twentieth, Don Vito. Going veto. We're going to start getting back into our Wise Guys series. we got a whole list coming up in the uh, 2020. One a month. We're going to be doing one a month. And May 27th, episode 141 with Kilo Sierra, we're going to be doing Your Eyes Look at the Targeting Combat. And I believe we, we had prior... We, uh, we scheduled this and then we had to push it back for some scheduling issues. So we, we threw it back. So your eyes look at the target in combat. And we're going to discuss that. And as a reminder, remember Kilos here was talking about blogging or vlogging or getting involved a little bit more on um, the social media aspect of of um, what we do and so we we encouraged him and we're going to hold him to it and that's going to be May 27th so stay tuned for that and as I said, each month we will have a Wise Guy series so we'll keep up with that and uh, Social Network is still there Uh, Twitter and uh, Facebook Instagram. Those are probably the three we use. Polar or whatever. Yeah, Polar. We use that quite a lot too. Uh, LinkedIn. That's garbage. You know, I didn't know until a month ago or so. I tried to post something on LinkedIn that was good. Oh, we were doing the uh, Tactical Thursday. And I tried to post it in. A nasty message about the content is not uh, uh, adequate for like I go oh my god garbage and I, you know what and people are on there thinking like they're gonna be millionaires they're gonna uh, recruit me or hire me for uh, it's uh, what can, I'm not gonna talk too much about it but these these liberal organizations that think that guns are bad and this and that, and they just take away your First Amendment right of freedom of speech because uh, I don't agree with what you're going to post. And it's not offending anybody but uh, besides a liberal. It's, it's it's ridiculous. So, But we're not going to think about that. We're going to talk and think about corrections, the forgotten profession in law enforcement, And we're going to discuss how they are untrained leaders in that profession. Why are they there? How long have they been there? And what makes them trained versus not being trained? So we will discuss that. But first, we're going to talk about a little bit of coronavirus in jails and prisons. As the numbers are going up, 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 it is reported that uh, the mass hysteria is releasing inmates as fast as they can hold them. These are some of just the numbers coming in. 4,276 inmates released from Los Angeles. New Jersey releasing 1,000. New York City, uh, 1,500. Las Vegas, 290. And then there's a bunch of agencies, Broward, Miami-Dade, so forth, that you can't find the information, how many they release. It is a trade secret. But it would have been nice to talk about it. But anyway, masked hysteria. So... To safeguard the inmates, they're releasing them so the officers can watch nobody and the public can be unsafe. Madness. Death toll for cops are going up, sadly enough. Saw a report that it was up to 7 70 police officers have died in the line of duty. Of course, corrections that they've gone up uh, as well. So it's a sad time. It's a, it's a very difficult time to be in law enforcement with all this madness going on. Um, a little bit on the the, the people that uh, they're releasing. And, you know, we had we have a show coming up and we had discussed it before. There's not much thought going into this. You know, they talk about nonviolent offenders, but uh, the public really thinks there's a scientific process to it. It's really not. It's just you know, uh, how many came in last night? Yeah, okay. How many are nonviolent? Okay, we can release those. That's about it. Not very difficult, and it's uh, ludicrous and madness. But we have an episode coming up on that. All right. Also on our show notes, we have attached a video of a Los Angeles detective, Los Angeles uh, Sheriff's Department detective, puts on his uniform, he's a homicide detective, and drops off contraband in the jail, in the chapel. And um, he got fired, I believe it was, and he got reinstituted by the new sheriff. Uh, The video talks volumes. You know, it doesn't really say what he dropped off, whether it was contraband as far as an illegal substance or contraband and it's not permissible in in the facility, but it necessarily isn't illegal. So the article that I had read kind of alluded to that it might have been something with a McDonald's coffee and whatever type of breakfast it was. It was delivered for an inmate. It was placed in the chapel and probably cooperated in a homicide case. But come on, man. Seriously? This is what, I mean, geez. The video talks volumes. It talks volumes. All right, let's get into, uh, before we drift off too much into the evil world, the word of the week. From the book of Samuels, 2 Samuel 7.22, the Lord says, Therefore you are great, O Lord God, for there is none like you, nor is there any God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. How many people have ears? but they don't work. A lot of people out there hear what they want to hear. They hear babbling in the background, Charlie Brown, wah, 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 wah. But these are serious words that God tells us. According to all that we have heard with our ears, many times you've heard the gospel and you've looked the other way or that catches up to you in the long long run. So to learn more about this verse, 2 Samuel 7.22, you can pick up our episode same day we launched this one on the 29th, and there we'll discuss 15 minutes or less on this verse, and it will strengthen your spiritual life. Most important, we really want to dive into this and I know that there's a lot of nosy participants listening in thinking that there's going to be a name mentioned or there's going to be sp- specifics talked about but I would never go ahead and embarrass any individual by calling out a specific name but that it exists it does that it is a problem in the forgotten profession of law enforcement it is and we will discuss that so while we can let's get our clowns out of the tent honking the horns and getting ready for episode 137 <laughs> Imagine, if you will, that you called out the fire department because your house was burning. It ends up burning down to the ground in ashes. You lost all your valuables. And when you are so upset, you discover that the agency has a bunch of leaders that have never graduated from the fire academy. They're not even firefighters. And they're in charge. You're the victim of a crime. Detectives are desperately seeking who these criminals are, looking at every stone, making sure all the T's are crossed, all the I's are dotted, but they don't come up with a clue. You become more and more desperate, you and your family, and you lash out. You say, we will contact the administrators of this police agency only to discover that they are several of them that never went to a police academy. The FBI was under scrutiny recently and doing investigations on the president and Russia and that whole fiasco. But imagine if the headline would have been employees of the FBI investigate the president on Russia and later as you discover in the article it says that they were not even agents they were just employees now probably what the three examples that I read to you are enough for you to say you got to be kidding me Who, in their right mind, would hire somebody that doesn't really know the industry? But let's take a look at what the definitions of a leader in corrections would have to be responsible for, and we'll discuss each one. First one is Specialty units in special uh, areas such as um, SRT or special response team or SWAT team, whatever the variation that you might know it's called under, um, house arrest units, uh, training units, um, anything that really you need a lot of expertise to be in charge of. But there you are. You are part of the administration, regardless of your rank, because that's another force that exists within the correctional world. Made-up positions, such as assistant to the warden, the hell's that? What the hell's a ward? So you have these positions, and they're supposed to sound all powerful and mighty. They might have been real headliners in the 1920s. But today is 2020, the year. And to hear these terms, they don't mean anything. In today's law enforcement but within that circle of these leaders you will find several of them that are part of the administration of an agency that never put on a recruitment uniform they never did a part of any of the training that was involved in becoming a correctional officer, three months, four months, five months, six months, depending on the jurisdiction that you're from or familiar with. They could have been there that long. No, no, my friends. These leaders have bachelor's degrees, maybe higher at some point, in business administration, in liberal arts, and here they are, managing a segment, a portion of a correctional agency. Oh, you don't have to be sworn to do that. What's funny is that a lot of the management aspect of managing the money of the agency. Many of these department heads don't touch any of the money or don't have any, let's say, say in the money. It's controlled by a controller, a comptroller, somewhere within that structure, whether it's a federal, a state structure or a county structure, they, a city, they will probably feed that correctional agency their budget quarterly so there are no mistakes but we have several people in the law enforcement agency which is the forgotten profession of corrections and they are civilians now the purpose of being sworn versus civilian is for secrecy, because there will be which sworn, you're sworn in taking an oath that you will not reveal any of the information that you are privy to, and that you won't in any way reveal any of the security procedures, protocols that are being followed by the agency, or any pending operations that are coming. But how do you share this information with a civilian as part of what is called the administration? Many and several politicians will lend a deaf ear and a blind eye to what I just said. They'll act like they don't know it. They act like it's not a big deal. Why are you making it a big deal? But it is a big deal. Because civilians have not taken an oath. Civilians don't really have the experience that is needed for that position, let's say. They might be book smart. Might have been top of their college or university, but it has nothing to do with what the role is in front of you. So a lot of you might say, well, well, why did they hire them in the first place? Well, let's take a, a scenario. Let's say you work for a big city. Let's take New York City. Now, I'm not saying that New York City has this, but I'm just using them as an example. So then, you have somewhere along the line budget cuts. Let's take the budget cuts of two thousand eight, two thousand nine, when the housing market fell, and they started furloughing people out of these agencies. I mean, you kind of uh, you can't stay here because of bumping rules. You came in last. You you got to go unemployment line, or take the position that we offer you. And all of a sudden. And their agency that they were in, let's say was um, transit, they have an opening now in corrections. Oh, I can do that. I can I think I could do that. And there they are, sitting behind a desk. Now for some people that are listening to this podcast might be saying, You've gotta be kidding. There's no way that this is happening in America. Well, might not be happening in America, but it is happening in banana republics all over America. I can tell you that. So let's take a look at what else these individuals uh, will have to deal with, or uh, let's, uh, uh, let's take a let's take a leap in to civilian positions and. Let's remove the sworn element to it. Any leader, what they would need. Now, while I start reading off the list, I want you to think in terms of a jail, a prison, the security that has to go into that. Imagine you got a bunch of felons in there, mass murderers, career criminals, and... You want to make sure they stay behind the bar, not in front of it. As long as the sheriff doesn't open the door and let like 4,000 of them out. But you want them to be incarcerated. Okay, so I want you to think in terms of that as I read off that list. The first one is situational leadership. Next one is, and I'm going to give you a little bit more definition of what this is path goal leadership number three leader member exchange number four transformational number five servant leadership number six team leadership and number seven Trans transactional leadership okay now we're going to look at each one. I'm going to kind of give you a little small real compact definitions of what they are. We're going to move this along as fast as we can. All right. The first one, I'll start off with the last one first, right? Transactional, okay? So that's the first one we're going to take a dive at. Now, transactional being some a leader that is specifically focused on supervision organizational mindset or promote compliance right just a company guy It's a guy that wears the logo or the patch on his underwear that's the guy he likes to keep everything kind of the same that's what he likes you know, don't, don't rearrange. put that chair back where it was that's him okay next one team Leadership, which is more organizational team performance. He's uh, group dynamics. He really he works with the group. Okay, pretty good. I've worked with those. Number the next one up, number three. Right, we're going backwards. But number three would be servient leadership philosophy goal of leaders is to serve so he has a need of the of a philosophy that the staff comes first he helps people develop he shares his power with people in the team for the goal he's good i've worked with him i've worked with that type of person you can get things done servient leadership next one up transformational works with the team to identify needs and change right what what needs to be changed what needs uh need to remain the same but he has a created vision he likes to create and let's tweak things This way for it to work for us. Okay. But he has somewhat of the blessing of the team, right? And he kind of knows. That's why he's there with them. He's a role model, he likes to mentor people. He's what you might even consider the full package. I've worked with them before, too. Transformational. So let's move it along. Uh, leader-member exchange relationship between leader and follower. Okay? So he's kind of like he's got one foot in the lead and one in the follow. These are people that are just content if someone else uh, runs the operation they could just sit there. And uh, if they have to jump in the driver's seat well they will but uh, they are very flexible when it comes to that. Next one up, path, goal. Leader, uh, leadership style benefit is best fit the employee's work environment in order to achieve a goal. So they'll work with the team. And in that environment, whatever they're doing, even if it's a little off base, even if it's a little crooked, even if it's not necessarily... Pursuant to policy. But if it achieves the goal, the path goal leadership style, I'll go with it. Work with them before too. Yep, sure to have. Situational leadership, O leader, adjust to fit the develop the development lead level. Changes to the situation. He is more of a chameleon. He will change to the situation that's in front of him. So he's situational. Now, that could be a good thing, that could be a bad thing. But if I'm thinking in terms of law enforcement, if I'm thinking in terms of corrections, I don't know where I'm going to work. Let's say if I'm that leader, right? I don't know where they're going to assign me. So I I might end up in the worst assignment in that agency. And I'm going to have to depend on a lot of people with knowledge. So, situationally, I might blend into that by uh, developing and fitting in there to adjust whatever I need to adjust. So, situational people I've worked with before. A lot of them, uh, you might say as an offshoot is uh, they have never mastered anything, but they know everything. Okay, so we'll put them in there. Now, if you take civilian mindset, right, and now I've read all these captions to you what a leader is, and these leadership concepts are civilian. This has nothing to do with law enforcement. But this is kind of like making what they are the different types of leaders that exist but i'm not sworn so i can't have any specialty units and they're most likely i'm going to have to take some type of civilian capacity of course it's going to overlay or over extend itself into the sworn world but that's okay and then i just fit into one of these categories and I'm the perfect leader, and I can work for 30 years there. They'll never know I'm there. And I might even make over a dollars 100, $120,000, $130,000, $200,000 a year. Those are real numbers. Real numbers. All right, so what type of facility am I going to work in, right? So here I am. I've got a bachelor's degree in business administration. I used to work over at transit. Budget cuts because of the coronavirus. I was the last guy in. They got an opening over in corrections. and I'm going over there to be part of the administration. And they're gonna give me an element or an entity to lead. And how difficult can it be? I don't really need to do anything about jails, prisons, do I? I? I got a business diploma. So let's look at the type of facilities that exist. You have one maximum, right? That's the highest level of security in facilities. Most of them are prisons, right? You're down 23 hours a day and that kind of stuff. Then you have number two is high levels, right? Just a little bit below maximum, of course. Then you have medium, low, minimum, and administrative. Administrative is like, uh, you know, check in and check out and check in and, and that kind of stuff. So these are the areas that exists in corrections as far as facilities, right? So if I'm a leader and my boss is going to stick me one of the elements of corrections to manage, but I'm not sworn, I've never been to an academy, the question bears to, to be asked now is, should I know? anything about what those officers do. I remember, uh, in my travels, there was a civ- civilian chief once that asked Pistol Pete, why do you need an AR-15? And this was in the early eras when, uh, Law enforcement was getting away from the traditional shotgun and moving into the AR world. And this chief was a civilian. who was not a sworn personnel. And that I know of did not have military background. So it asked Pete the question, and I believe I've, I've talked about this before on the show, thinking, you know, Pete was probably going to be the quietest one. And Pete goes, he didn't even miss a beat when he answered. He goes, because uh, police officers too heavy for me to carry around. And it goes to show you the lack of knowledge. Because this uh, leader, this civilian leader, was trying to figure out how does that piece of equipment that you need fit into the correctional world? They could not put the piece of the puzzles together. Couldn't do it. Couldn't figure it out. They didn't see any scenarios, but there was a bunch of them. A bunch of them. From securing the facility, from transporting, from uh, having a special detail when you're going to move somebody that's very dangerous. They are a bunch of scenarios that you would need in a R fifteen, but at that time they didn't. Uh, they didn't. They couldn't come up with that solution. Now there's something that's very important in not so much leadership, but in business world and law enforcement world. I think both, they apply. And this is going to be a $20 word, in, in of course, in a $2 podcast. And it's the phenomenology. I told you it was a $20 word and $2 podcast. Now, the phenomenology is their own experiences that they bring to the table. Okay, and on our show notes there's um, an interesting uh, article <clears throat> on, uh, on the phenomenology and, and kind of uh, it's an essay, or whatever the hell it is but it goes on forever but you get a little bit just if you want to know more about it but it's about their experiences and what they've done in life that gives them the okay, in a lot of situations. So let me give you a couple of examples. So <clears throat> one of the things that I, when I was in law enforcement, I was in training. I would often ask officers. I did a lot of uh, mandatory in training, you know. So in other words, you had to be sworn already. Uh, the kindergarten stuff and the recruits, I didn't really like that, but. If you had a badge on, I dealt with you. I'm sorry about that beeping. That my iWatch or whatever the hell it's called was beeping for some reason. All right, so basically the uh, scenario that we can look at and we're going to tap into experience is that you are thrusted in a specific assignment and you really or specific detail, let's say a specific detail and it's very strange it's a rarity this specific detail and you kind of search through whatever policies that you think might cover it and they're either vague or they don't cover it the question i would always ask officers not only what do you do of course they would always say i'd call a supervisor which is a part of it but that's not always the case sometimes you got to make quick decisions and you can't call a dead body quickly so you have to f- figure it out on your toes and what allows you to get through that experience Is the training that you've had that would cover any parts of policy that are missing? Follow? So there's nothing in policy that covers this specific detail that I have to do, but I did get trained on certain elements what I have to do, so I'm gonna rely on that training background. Or let's say it's a little hazardous. And I could say, well, in law enforcement, I'd never really had to experience this before. But in the military, I did. So I'm going to bounce off that background of mine, that lived experience. So that goes a long way. But when you have an anchor taking up an office space and desk space in the administration As a civilian, how does that person's lived experiences translate into the civilian world? So, a lot of people will probably say, well, you know, I could understand where some of these civilians might work out of specific um, units and that really have nothing to do with the operations of the facility. In other words, the backdoor stuff, right? But that's wrong, too. Because let's say you're doing the backdoor stuff. Let's say you're doing personnel. And in personnel, human resources, you have to deal with a lot of issues that deal with contracts. Officers have unions and so forth. So if you don't know not necessarily what the contract says but what the experience is you're you're an anchor you are dead weight and there is a lot of dead weight in corrections the aspect of law enforcement and corrections evolves through The early part of the 1900s when we knew that as a country we had to start to punish people and put them in prison and put them in jails. At first we didn't take it very seriously and then we started to put officers for security and you're going to stay here and uh, you're going to get fed three times a day and keep your mouth shut and, and then it started to evolve from there that without looking, it creeped in. It was sudden and unexpected. There it was. The liberal monsters came out of nowhere. And they wanted to do rehabilitation. So the rehabilitation aspect of corrections became a fungus in law enforcement and it brought in the liberal approach and it flooded open the gates of a bunch of halfwits that had no idea of what they were doing because they didn't care about the profession that they were supposedly managing. They could care a rat's ass. Now, of course, publicly they would never say that. They would say... I was always a loyal employee and I cared very deeply about the officers. Really. But you wouldn't see them in any facility. They were only mandated to go to like graduational ceremonies. But really, they could exist 30 years without looking at one of those people with uniform or guns. And this is something that really exists. And so, Correction suffers from an identity crisis. What in the hell are we, right? That's what they they would ask constantly. Are we law enforcement? Are we uh, security? Are we rehabilitation specialists? What are we? And of course, you're a reflection of the agency. You're a reflection of your leaders. So if your leaders are half-wits, that starts to trickle down. I've heard many, many concepts in corrections that were so liberal, they, no law enforcement personnel would ever, ever take on, um, that position, take that position. I'll give you an example. In my career, I was tasked with crisis intervention. And, of course, the civilian concept of crisis intervention and what they teach police officers. Remember, there are civilian uh, instructors teaching law enforcement officers in the Memphis model of CIT. They are teaching them interpersonal communicational skills to deal with the mentally ill. So a lot of it is personable, get closer, and waddy, waddy, waddy. But it's contrary to what they were taught in the academy. They were taught in the academy to be in a defensive position and heighten one awareness and blah, blah, blah. So how you adapted to that, to deal with mentally ill, we did very well with that concept. We kept the officers at their reasonable distances. We told the officers, with the mentally ill, you wanna share your hands. You don't wanna hide your hands, like in your pocket or behind your back, or your arms crossed. Because part of communication is only 7% of that is verbal. 93% is body language. So you want to go ahead and you want to communicate to the mentally ill. Oh, look, you see my hands. I'm not that much of a threat. And you start closing the gap. Of course, your tone and, and, and how you're helping the individual It helps you achieve the goal. But if you're a civilian, you wouldn't know any of that, what I just said. It sounds a little funny. What did he say? What are you talking about? Hands? What the hell? But those are examples of bringing in that lived experience in your role as an officer. As a civilian, the only lived experience you would have is a paper cut. I remember when I got a paper cut several years ago. It was horrible. That's the only thing. Now, people will tell you, well, I know a lot of people that were civilian. They ran operations, and they were very good. And they were, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, what? An example of what I'm talking about. I was told, and I don't even want to say that I was there because I wasn't. But at one time or another, there was an administrative person and they were assigned to an academy in South Florida. And when that agency that runs that training center called a meeting, that civilian component showed up and they had gotten wind the agency, the police agency that runs the academy, had gotten wind that that aspect of the institute was being run by a civilian in the forgotten profession of corrections. And so they never had met the individual before. They went inside a meeting room and they basically chit-chatted for a little bit. And then the question was asked, are you sworn or non-sworn? No, I'm, I'm, I'm a civilian. I'm okay, well, we can't have this meeting. So maybe we can uh, reconvene at a later time when we get somebody that is sworn because the information that we're going to discuss here has to have a sworn capacity. And all of a sudden, that's all you heard. Needless to say, that that person from the administration was removed and replaced with a person with a badge. Why? Because it made no sense. And this example that I give is just one of many. So why is corrections... So many liberal approaches. I even have seen people taking the position in corrections of, I think it's a great idea to release the image with coronavirus, not understanding fully that you yourself are putting yourself on the unemployment line. See, if I don't have anybody to watch and you think that you're just going to be on the payroll, it doesn't work that way. It's like the budget cuts that I was talking about when the housing market fell. Eventually, we're going to get down to you and you got here last and there's bumping rights. And uh, we're going to furlough, furlough you right out of here. Because there's nobody to watch. We've opened up the gates and let them all out. That's why that exists in corrections, because it's a concept that came from people that are not sworn, that people don't have the clear understanding of what a crook is. They think it's a poor soul. And many people, I'm not saying all of them, are equally allowed to be rehabilitated and back into society that all inmates or prisoners are guilty. How do you like them apples? I know that too. But by and large, the majority of them crooks, convicts, thieves. Cut your throat in a second. And that's how you have to look at that. The responsibility of government is to protect its citizens, not open up the front gate. So that concept... I have no doubt came from civilians in the world of the forgotten profession of corrections, which have polluted that industry to unrecognizable levels. They have no concept of what it is to be uniform personnel. They think they do. They try to control it. And by and large, a lot of the uniformed personnel are intimidated by these morons because they're the administration. Shame on the politicians that send these goofs. Shame on the leaders of these agencies and corrections that allow these goofs to work with them. Shame on this becoming a fungus. This is the way I see it, and I call it like I see it. Every civilian that occupies an office and a desk in a correctional agency as part of the administration, those administrators running that agency have smacked each uniformed personnel in the face and told them, you're not good enough to be in that position. Now, you can bark and you can scream all you want, but that's what it boils down to. I started off this podcast with one simple um, analogy, and that was the fire department, your house burning down, you got angry, you reached out to that agency, the fire department, only to find out the person that's going to attend you is not even a firefighter. And how you felt. We did the analogy with police and the detective too. And how you would feel. This is no different. The reason that these people are in corrections. Is because they can be masqueraded and hidden. Because the public doesn't know that they exist. Corrections is not one of those entities that have a lot of contact with. Society. And the community. But. I blame those individuals of high rank that are allowing these misfits to sit in these positions. And some of the misfits that might be listening, if you've been offended by this, then you're a misfit, then you're a misfit. But you don't belong there. Simple as that. Get all huffy, get all uh, ugly in the face, But you didn't belong on the table. And it's about time people start, you know, growing a pair and saying what's going on. The numbers of the coronavirus is going to continue to increase in prisons and jails because they are the forgotten profession. The brave men and women that wear the uniform, that swore an oath that looked or aspire to go up the ranks are sometimes tripped in the hallway as they go and they proceed in that level to go to the administration one day by some cockamamie civilian that came some crazy-ass department somewhere else that got cut. And that's the honest truth. Alright, Song of the Week. Of course, we always have the entertainment of the Song of the Week and this Week is we feature the one and only Dean Martin, and he is singing A Place in the Shade. Love Dino, always have. When I was little, I used to drive my dad crazy with Dean Martin records. Yeah, I don't know why, but it just happened. All right, and uh, what's up next? Of course, we have Who is in charge of my agency. Episode 138. If you enjoyed 137 on trade and leadership in corrections, you will enjoy who is in charge of my agency as well. As always, it is my honor and my pleasure to be your host on Radio Cop Nation. Continue to pray for yourself because without you in the game, we have nothing. Continue to pray for your family, for your community, and most importantly, Continue to pray for the law enforcement agencies that serve you. These troubled times, never forget to pray for your wonderful country, the United States of America. This is Alpha Mike, and I'm out. Uh, 1322